Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first Quantum Minerals Quarterly Results Conference Call. I would now like to turn the meeting over to Ryan McWilliam, Director, Business Development and Investor Relations. Please go ahead, Mr. McWilliam. Thank you, Operator. And thank you, everyone, for joining us today to discuss our second quarter results. Before we begin, I'll draw your attention to the fact that over the course of the call, we'll be making several forward-looking statements. And as such, I encourage you to read the cautionary note that accompanies our most recent MDNA and the related news release, as well as those risk factors, particularly to our company, which are detailed in our most recent annual information form and available on our website and on CEDAR. And a reminder that the presentation, which accompanies this conference call, is also available on our website. On today's call, Tristan Pascal, our Chief Operating Officer, provide an overview of operations and performance during the quarter and share his perspective on the company's outlook moving forward. He'll be followed by Hannes Mayer, our Chief Financial Officer, who will review the financial results. Tristan will then wrap things up with an eye to the next quarter and an overview of our key strategic priorities. After that, we'll open up the line to take questions. With that, I'll turn the call over to Tristan. Thanks, Ryan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the call. Q2 was another strong quarter for First Quantum. Debt reduction remains a key part of our focus, and I'm proud to say that we're well on our way to achieving our target of more than $2 billion reduction in gross debt as a result of strong operational cash flows and robust commodity prices. The tapering off of the hedging program will further benefit financial results in the remainder of this year. And the expected close of the sale of 30% stake in the Ravensthorpe operations to our new partners, POSCO, for $240 million US dollars in Q3 will also contribute to our debt reduction program. Copper production was just shy of 200,000 tonnes in the quarter, an increase of 18% from the same period in 2020. This increase was due primarily to strong production at Cobra Panama, which was nearly four times the rate of the COVID-19 impacted second quarter of 2020. Cobra Panama continued with a ramp up to the target throughput rate of 85 million tonnes per annum in 2021, with stronger throughput being somewhat offset by higher maintenance during the month of April and slightly lower grades compared to the previous quarter. However, production throughput in May and June was pleasing with a new production record of approximately 7.5 million tonnes processed in the month of June. This resulted in quarterly production of around 82,000 tonnes of copper in con- contained in concentrate. Early this month, the Government of Panama announced the appointment of a high-level commission of senior government ministers and officials to deliberate on Law 9, which sets the fiscal regime for Cobra Panama. The public acknowledgement of these ongoing discussions ensures transparency in the outcome of the process we've been speaking about. The Ministers of Commerce, Finance, Labour and Environment were confirmed as representatives on the commission. The company welcomes the appointment of the commission and the opportunity for all stakeholders to resolve this matter in the medium term. Also in June, the Supreme Court ruled on the clarification motions presented by the company to the court in relation to its Law 9 decision announced in September 2018, which have not yet come into effect. 
The Supreme Court upheld its ruling and the company understands the decision will be enacted once published in the Gazette of the Supreme Court in the near future. The company is reviewing these developments and expects the government-announced process to result in a mutually agreed new law to be presented to and approved by the National Assembly. In Zambia, operations at Sentinel experienced weaker grades as we, got, as we guided to in last quarter's report, but throughput was higher, assisted by softer ore and higher availabilities. This resulted in record milling rates during May. Installation of the fourth impit crusher continued as planned with installation in Q3 and commissioning in Q4. This will enable the plant to ramp up throughput to 62 million tonnes per annum in 2022. Consanti saw improved throughput following the end of the dry season at the end of April, uh, which was offset with lower grades. The lower grades are anticipated to remain through the balance of this year as reflected in the change made to Consanti guidance in this quarter. A scheduled smelter shutdown at Consanti occurred as planned in June, with the smelter coming back online in early July on schedule. In respect of Zambia, we are no longer in discussions to sell down a stake in that business. The strong performance of the copper price and continued solid operational performance has meant that the prices offered by counterparties were at too much of a discount to the strong earnings that the business currently generates. Nickel production in the quarter was 4,543 tonnes at Raventhorpe, while construction of Shoemaker Levy continues to advance with all civil works now predominantly complete. Pre-strip at Shoemaker Levy continues with the first mining area cleared. We look forward to moving on to better quality feed from Shoemaker Levy and anticipate first ore delivery in this third quarter of 2021. Across First Quantum, all of our established COVID-19 protocols at each of our mines remain in place. The health and well-being of our workforce and the surrounding communities continues to be our priority. We continue to work closely and support the various levels of government and health authorities in all the regions we operate right. to reduce transmission of the virus and to deal with outbreaks and infections as they occur. In Panama, the company supports the work of the government with aerial transport, food, medical supplies and other facility-based needs, including support to the Gorgas Institute laboratory testing facilities. In Zambia, the company has provided COVID-19 testing equipment and treatment and isolation facilities for the community and continues to implement COVID-19 protective measures across all our operations. Vaccination programs have commenced in most of the host countries for the company's operations and First Quantum is supporting rollout of vaccination programs as appropriate to each country. In Panama, the rollout is reasonably strong and by mid-July, 3,928 employees had received their first dose vaccination. In Zambia, the rollout was slow to start but has been increasing steadily and by mid-July, 366 employees had received their first dose vaccination. On ESG, the company has always been committed to extracting resources as responsibly as it can, and sustainability is an intrinsic part of First Quantum's operations. We recognise that mining has a significant impact on the environment and we work as hard as we can to mitigate these impacts and to deliver positive contributions from mining to the communities around us. In line with our commitment to transparency and the ongoing development of First Quantum's ESG reporting, we recently published our 2020 Environment, Safety and Social Data Report and our Tax Transparency Report, which are both now available on our website. This, these years, this year's report highlights for the first time the significant CO2 emissions savings realised by some of our industry-leading mining technology, including the use of trolley assist and in-pit crushing and conveying.
which are part of First Quantum's approach to place innovation and operational excellence at the core of our business and in our response to climate change. Also in this year's report, we've expanded our CO2 emissions intensity disclosures to reflect our downstream scope three CO2 emissions and the emissions benefit of our largely hydro-powered on-site smelter in Zambia. At Cobra Panama, we are currently evaluating the opportunity to increase our use of renewable power as part of our efforts to reduce emissions intensity. We will continue to provide updates in respect to the energy strategy at Cobra Panama as these plans become more developed. The, com the company continues to make progress on our 2021 commitments related to climate change. We have commenced our efforts to report in alignment with a task force on climate-related financial disclosures framework, a program to set tangible and realistic emissions level and carbon intensity targets with an identified pathway to achieve it remains on schedule, and we are making progress on establishing an internal carbon price and consequent commodity prices in the evaluation of our new projects. The company also continues to make sub substantial fiscal contributions to the countries in, we in which we operate, and during this quarter we disclosed our 2020 ESMA tax transparency report, which is also now on the website. In 2020, our direct tax and economic contributions to our host governments reached close to 1.1 billion US dollars. I'm proud of what the First Quantum team has achieved this quarter and the ongoing improvements we continue to make across our operations. Much has been done and more work remains, but I'm excited about what the future holds and look forward to reporting on our progress throughout the year. Uh, with that, I'll hand things over to Hannes and I'll be back in a few minutes to wrap things up. Hannes? Thanks, Tristan, and good day to everyone. I would like to direct you to the slide titled Financial Overview. Financial performance in the quarter was driven by strong sales and increased metal prices, resulting in significant increase in comparative EBITDA and net earnings, as well as a notable reduction in net debt. Gross profit of $625 million and a comparative EBITDA of $902 million for the quarter were significantly higher than the same period in 2020 attributable to record-contained copper in concentrate shipped at Cobre Panama, as well as a 37% increase in realized copper price. Net earnings attributable to shareholders of the company of $140 million and comparative earnings of $173 million also represent a significant improvement on Q2 2020. Their debt decreased during the six-month period by $658 million to $6.75 billion as at June 30, 2021, including a $311 million reduction in just the second quarter. With the current strength in the copper price, a significant further reduction is expected in the second half of this year. E1 cash cost of $1.29 per pound was $0.09 cents per pound higher than Q2 2020, driven by lower production at both Zambian operations as well as at Las Cruces. Capital expenditure in the quarter was $264 million, which includes the costs associated with the Consanchi smelter shutdown and the construction of shoemaker levy conveyor and crushing station. In May 2021, the company announced that it had has entered into a binding agreement to sell a 30% equity interest in Ravensthorpe for cash consideration of $240 million to POSCO. The company will retain a 70% interest in Ravensthorpe and continue to be the operator. Transactions are expected to be 
to complete in the third quarter of 2021. <clears throat> Turning to the next slide on quarterly copper unit cash cost. Total C1 cost for the quarter of $1.29 per pound was $0.09 cents higher than Q2 2020, driven by the impact of lower grades at uh, the Zambia operations and cessation of the up and pit mining at Las Cruces in August 2020. Cabre Panama C1 cash cost of $1.25 per pound was $0.47 cents per pound lower than Q2 last year and reflects the significant increase in production. Strong year-to-date copper production at Cabre Panama has resulted in an increase to copper production guidance for 2021 by 10 to 5,000 tonnes to between 310 and 335,000 tonnes. All in sustaining cost for the quarter of $1.91 per pound was $0.29 cents per pound higher than the comparative quarter. The increase in all and sustaining costs reflects the higher royalty of 10% in Zambia following the higher copper price and higher sustaining capex, which includes the planned smelter maintenance shutdown at Konsanchi. Whilst copper C1 costs for the second quarter and for the first six months of the year have been in the middle of the guidance range, all and sustaining costs has been under pressure, particularly in the second quarter, from higher Zambia royalty rates. Accordingly, all-in sustaining cost guidance has been increased by $0.10 to allow for higher royalty expense, which for the year to date has exceeded prior year levels by $0.11 and for the quarter by $0.12. Turning to the next slide, Q2 summary financial overview. Comparative EBITDA of $902 million was 156% higher than Q2 2020 attributable to 37% increase in the realized copper price and increased sales volume at Caribbean Panama, with near record quarterly production and record-contained copper shipped. The comparative period sales were also significantly affected by COVID-19-related restrictions. Comparative earnings for the second quarter of $173 million is an increase of $257 million compared to Q2 2020. Basic earnings per share of $0.20 cents and comparative earnings per share of $0.25 cents of 43 and $0.37 cents higher than Q2 2020, respectively. There's a reduction in net debt, as previously mentioned, of $311 million in the quarter, which brings the total reduction over the last 12 months to over $900 million. Further reductions remains a key priority. Capital expenditure in the quarter was $264 million, which includes the smelter shutdown at Consanchi. Our full-year guidance for capital expenditures unchanged at $950 million. On the next slide, there's a significant increase in gross profit, um, and it just shows a bit more detail in the gross profit quarter-on-quarter movement, with a $484 million increase in Q2 gross profit from improved metal prices and higher contribution from Cobra Panama. Turning to the next slide on debt and liquidity profile, company's net debt of $6.75 billion at the end of the quarter has decreased over $900 million in the last 12 months. The company ended the quarter with $1.8 billion of net unrestricted cash and cash equivalents and was in full compliance with all of its financial covenants. 
company signed a bilateral borrowing facility of $175 million in April 21, available for 12 months from the date of signing. Following the upgrades by S&P Global Ratings and Fitch Ratings in April to a B credit rating, the company outlook remained stable. Copper prices and demand continue to be robust. As Tristan has highlighted, the tapering off of the hedging program will further benefit financial results in the remainder of the year. So turning to the copper hedging program outlook, approximately one quarter of expected copper sales in the next 12 months are hedged at an average floor price and average ceiling price of $3.16 per pound and $3.70 per pound respectively. This compares to approximately 35% at the end of the first quarter of 21, with an average floor price and average ceiling price of $3.4 and $3.44 per pound, respectively. As of July 27, 2021, the company had just over 44,000 tons of unmargined copper forward sales contracts at an average price of $2.96 per pound with periods of maturity out to December 21. In addition, the company had a little bit more than 150,000 tons of unmargined zero-cost copper collar sales contracts with maturities to March 2022 at average prices of $3.21 per pound to $3.92 per pound. The company also had unmargined nickel forward sales contract a bit more than a thousand tons at an average price of seven dollar seventy four cents per pound outstanding with maturities out to december twenty one in addition the company has zero cost nickel collar and margin sale contract for nearly a thousand three hundred tons at an average weight average price of seven sixty eight per pound to eight dollar fifty eight per pound with maturities out to may twenty two Thank you, and with that, I'll hand back over to Tristan. <clears throat> Thanks, Hannes. Let me just take a few moments to discuss the path forward for First Quantum as we continue to execute our vision into the future. We do have a number of key strategic priorities that are underway at the current time and which we believe will help build sustained long-term value for shareholders. In the longer term, we have optionality within our portfolio that we also believe has the potential to deliver significant shareholder value. For now, the current focus of our capital allocation approach within the context of a very strong commodity market remains, firstly on debt reduction, which is a commitment and strategic focus, secondly on execution of brownfield projects to add incremental value, and thirdly on cautiously improving our dividend policy to reward shareholders. Spend on greenfield projects will remain limited while we deliver on these core focus areas, particularly debt reduction. I'll take a moment to discuss each of these key strategic thrusts in a little more detail. First and foremost, debt reduction will continue to be the major focus in the near term as we work towards reaching our goal of reducing our debt by more than $2 billion. And thanks to strong operational and solid commodity prices, when we achieve this goal, our gross debt will be below $6 billion and our net debt to, through the cycle EBITDA ratio will be below two. Next is brownfield expansion. We are fortunate to have a robust internal pipeline of new mine growth projects at our disposal. To that end, progress on delivery of the 85 million tonnes per annum target throughput rate at Cobra Panama continues and we remain on track to grow to 100 million tonnes or more than 100 million tonnes per annum by the end of 2023. 
In the mine, during Q2, we broke ground at the in-pit crusher box cut location for the new Kalina pit location, and the overall Kalina mine planning effort remains on track. At the process plant, a primary screening facility is expected to be delivered in Q4 2022, and upgrades to process water supply in Mill 6 are expected to be delivered by Q1 2023. At the Enterprise Project in Zambia, the design for development of the pit has been revised and optimised to support an accelerated mine plan, targeting early pre-stripping in the second half of 2021. Following potential board approval, which could potentially come later this year, the majority of the pre-strip would be done following the start of the dry season in April 2022. This project has the potential to add around 30,000 tonnes per annum of nickel production. The decision on the S3 expansion at Consantia remains pending as we continue to work with the Zambian government to formulate a framework to move this expansion forward. There has been limited progress on this through the last quarter given the election processes in Zambia and we do expect further noise and distraction in this regard in the near term. However, once given the green light, S3 would increase materially Consantia's annual throughput to well over 50 million tonnes per annum and ensure production levels remain strong for more than 20 years. Last month, we received our mining licence for Cobra Las Cruces Underground. We expect the water concession licence may be granted by late 2021 as we continue to make solid progress towards being fully permitted. Study work continues with the drill program currently underway. As part of this work, the company expects to release a National Instrument 43101 report with an associated resource in the second half of the year. We still have a way to go before deciding on where this project may fit into our pipeline, but it's pleasing to see the recent progress. Next, we expect to have an update on guidance around our dividend policy by the start of next year, which will include an increase to our current nominal dividend. We will start cautiously once confident our debt reduction targets are being met, and this policy will not be at the expense of brownfield growth. At this point, as we focus on debt reduction and the brownfield opportunities I just discussed, we can take a more measured and cautious approach to greenfield opportunities within our portfolio, most notably Taka Taka in Argentina and Hakira in Peru. We are certainly excited by the prospects of these projects and the longer-term potential they offer. At Taka Taka, for example, we recently completed an NI43101, declaring a maiden mineral reserve of more than 7.7 million tonnes of contained copper. However, before proceeding with an investment and construction decision, we would like to further understand the fiscal environment in Argentina. Similarly, at Hakira, we, strong, we see strong potential in a project situated in a prolific copper belt in southern Peru. However, at Hakira, our current primary goal is to con continue to work with the local communities who reside in the area where the project is located. And finally, on behalf of the entire company, I want to thank our people once again. Our workforce continues to demonstrate adaptability, commitment and resilience and make significant contributions to the success of the business. I'm proud of how our workforce has continued to focus on executing in a safe and sustainable manner in the face of ongoing logistical and operational challenges resulting from the COVID-19 pandemic. <clears throat> Operator, we would now be happy to take questions. Thank you. Certainly, thank you. We will now take questions from the telephone lines. If you have a question and you're using a speakerphone, please lift your handset prior to making your selection. If you have a question, please press star 1 on your device's keypad. You may cancel your question at any time by pressing star 2. Please press star 1 at this time if you have a question. There will be a brief pause while the participants register. Thank you for your patience. 
The first question is from Orest Waukadao with Scotiabank. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Um, in, in your release, you disclosed that you you plan to increase the throughput at Cobra Panama to 100 million tons a year uh, by the first quarter of 23. That was certainly earlier than I was thinking, and I'm just curious if you plan to complete the rest of the work needed for the expansion at the same time uh, from a, a tailings and uh, mining perspective, or is that is that going to come later? Hi, Oris. I'll take that question. Yeah, look, that was really in regard to Ball Mill 6, delivery of that installation in Q1 2024, and it will be commissioning and, and ramping up throughout the year. Uh, so really, the, the previous guidance we put there remains in, in place in 2023. That is, we expect to be at the 100 million tonnes per annum rate, uh, throughput rate, by the end of the year, but not necessarily from the end of Q1. Does that help? Okay, so you, you basically plan to be fully operational at that 100 million tonne throughput rate exiting 23? That's the way to think about it? Yes, that's, yes that would, is a good way to put it, yeah. Okay, and then just also on Cobra Panama, um, it, it sounds like you're, you're getting close to um, sitting down to negotiate a replacement for Law 9 uh, with the government. There, there's been some media reports about government officials um, asking for higher royalties uh, over the 5% current copper royalty. Um, should we anticipate that there could be some give and take in terms of the current terms in order to get a replacement for, for Law 9? Or, you know, any color would be, would be appreciated. Sure, Oris. Yeah, look, I think that's right. We, we, we do expect that there will be noise around this process, given that it's a public process. Um, that's a good thing. Given that it's a public process, it means that we expect a transparent outcome and, and we expect it will lead to a, a robust and defendable outcome for, for both the government and ourselves. Um, we wouldn't comment on the Minister's comments other to say that a significant investment was made on the basis of the, the original Law 9 fiscal assumptions. Um, it's also pleasing to see comments from the Minister earlier this year that Panama wants to see mining at the forefront of its recovery from COVID-19 coming out um, from the current situation and also we did see comments from the President uh, of Panama, Laurentino Cortizo, yesterday in the, in the national media which was on a that he considered that there can be a win-win outcome in the process. Um, you know, we're certainly aligned with that. Uh, there will be give and take, uh, but it can be a win-win uh, for the company and the government in terms of, of realising benefits and, and increasing certainty for both the, the country and, and, and the company. Thank you, Tristan. And, and then just finally, can you give us a sense of timeline for this Law 9 replacement type negotiation? Like, would the expectation be that there's something completed by the end of the year, or, or could this take a lot longer? Yeah, Oris, I realise that it's been a challenge through, um, you know, through the COVID-19 period in that, you know, prior to this, you know, we, we were engaged and then that's been held back by, you know, just the inability to meet face-to-face. -face. That is improving. As I said, it, you know, on previous calls, we, we are having those face-to-face -face discussions. I think what you should read from this is that there is momentum building. Um, you know, the, what the government has learned, and I can give a bit of background to some of the comments recently, is they did have a process uh, on the Panama Canal, uh, sorry, the Panama Port Commission, 
and concession, and that was around making sure that there was public engagement. And so we do see that now, the public engagement, these public announcements, and that builds momentum uh, around timing. Uh, but it, it is, you know, a government process. It goes through the negotiation with the administration and then into the National Assembly. Um, those are the steps. They remain the same. Uh, but, you know, it's challenging to give a timeline around that. And, um, you know, I understand that it would be good to, to give you a clear picture, but it's got to go through those steps. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from Matthew Mur Murphy with Barclays. Please go ahead. Hi. Um, another one on Cobra Panama, just on a recent story on this uh, pipeline spill. I mean, should we read anything into that? Is, is there a likelihood of uh, anything meaningful in terms of fines or sanctions coming from that? Yeah, thanks, Matthew. Yes, the median Panama has picked up on on what was really a minor spill and of a small volume of, of water and, and slurry, slurry rock from the, the, the pipeline two weeks ago. You know, our response teams and the spill protections worked very well and we're confident the adjacent stream was not impacted beyond an hour or so of, of, of some high suspended solids but, and, and those were diluted by heavy rains. But nonetheless, the incident, you know, it's regrettable for us and we're working to continue to improve the equipment and the systems involved and also with the Ministry of Environment in regard to their recommendations for corrective actions. Um, as I said, it's a low-level incident. It, it, I think it's really around the noise and... Uh, and, and the processes that are ongoing that it's come that that we've seen those media reports. Okay, thanks. And then if I could just ask another uh, one on the risk front, um, just looking ahead to Zambian elections. Um, I mean, it's interesting to me that the mining sector hasn't seemed to become really a lightning rod, you know, in the in the uh, election process. But I'm wondering. Um, how we should think about news flow. I guess there's a new budget presented uh, 60 days after elections. I mean, do you think mining um, doesn't really come to the fore through all this? Yeah, Matthew, thanks. Um, look, the, I, I guess the challenge during your election is that those, you know, that's a competition and, and there's noise and, um, you know, and we've seen, you know, national... Um, elements come up in those discussions or at least in terms of the electioneering. Uh, it's been hard to make progress. The ministers are in recess and that means there's only really the president and a, a number of key uh, public office holders that are in position at the moment and that means we can't engage uh, in, to any great extent in terms of outcome there. Uh, and then yes, the, the, the election is on the 12th of August and we will see a budget um, 60 days thereafter. We expect that the, whoever comes back in, whether it's an incumbent or otherwise, um, will need to engage in particular uh, on the IMF process uh, and, in, and in consolidating the, the fiscal position in Zambia. In terms of um, you know, how that relates to the mining industry, uh, you know, the government is now a, a, a core operator through ZCCM of two of the major mines in the country, um, subject to, to ongoing court cases in South Africa in regards to the one mine. Um, you know, they, they have a, a very good picture now of what it's like to, to run and operate the mines, um, and they're, they're part and parcel of the, of the industry going forward. So we don't see any significant risk there, um, given where the tax rates are at the moment in Zambia, but there is a need um, for ongoing engagement, and particularly as we look to the S3 investment, you know, there needs to be 
the right kind of, of framework around that investment. I hope that covers your question, Matthew. That's perfect. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from Jackie Przybilowski with BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Thanks very much. I think um, I'm just going to follow up on Matt's question, um, but in a, in a maybe slightly different way. Um, I, I just, I guess maybe Tristan, if, if you could clarify in the slide deck presentation, I think it says the board um, is looking to make a decision on enterprise by um, end of 2022. And I think you mentioned earlier, maybe I misheard you, but I think you said the end of this year. Um, so maybe if you could just talk a little bit about um, what the timing is. I know you guys are working on some pre-stripping uh, second half of this year. How much activity do you plan to do at Enterprise before you make a board decision? And uh, and maybe if you can just um, just clarify, like when when you think you'd need to make a board decision and what you need to see uh, for that decision to be a positive one. Thank you. Sure. Um, thanks, Jackie. The, so enterprise, we are able to do some preliminary works, and as you said, that's the, the, just some ongoing pre-stripping work out there. And actually, I was on the ground there um, the week before last, and very good to see, you know, some preliminary works ongoing after the, the, the rainy season. Uh, in terms of the decision this, later this year, it will be linked to, you know, the broader fiscal environment in Zambia. It's just that we're outlining that this. Uh, you know, that the, a decision can come and then actually, you know, fairly quickly uh, we can be in production because this is a brownfield, um, this is a brownfield project. It's, it's by no means a, a new greenfield uh, project given that a lot of the, uh, the plants is already standing. So the total capital uh, for the investment is around 90 million uh, and that would, number will be reviewed as part of the board approval process. Uh, and yes, we could, we would hope to be able uh, to put that in front of the board later this year, notwithstanding the preliminary works ongoing uh, for the, the full approval, uh, but it's subject to the situation in Zambia. And, and I guess we'll see that um, that feasibility study that you're you're planning to update uh, as part of that board approval process as well, right? So that'll come out later this year as well. Uh, yeah. Look, we'll we'll. we'll once we're engaged in the project, we'll we'll make sure that there's an understanding of the um, of the production profile and, and and everything around the project. Whether it's a full feasibility study, given that it's a greenfield project, we'll make sure that you've got all the parameters around it. That's for sure. Fantastic. And and, and maybe if I could just ask on the um, the hedge program. So you mentioned or Hannes mentioned um, that you are sort of tapering that off a little bit, and it's it's now less of your uh, represents less of your copper sales going forward. Can you give us some updated guidance in terms of like what you may um, do with that hedge program? Are you still planning to add hedges? Is there some level of hedging that you're planning to maintain? Or as we kind of roll the quarters forward over the next uh, year or so, should we expect that to sort of wind sure. down entirely? Um, can you just maybe give us an update on what your thinking is with that? Hannes, would you like to take that question? Sure. Uh, Jackie, um, I mean, we, we had that hedge program when, whilst we were building Panama and um, highly leveraged. You, you would have seen the leverage come down quite dramatically over the last year. Um, and uh, as we said, we, we would sort of reduce that level of activity. And you would have seen probably the hedge book dropping off by 10% of the next 12 months 
sales in each of the last three, four quarters. Um, our last hedges that we have placed was just before the previous quarter's um, conference call, so at the early end, uh, early start of this, this quarter. So we haven't had any new hedges. So I think it's probably a, a good indication of where we're heading. Great. Thanks very much. That's, that's all my questions. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. The next question is from Matthew Fields with Bank of America. Please go ahead. Uh, hey everyone. Um, congrats on the on the strong execution. Um, appreciate uh, the sort of more specific commentary on debt reduction, capital allocation that you've sort of put in writing and sort of codified a little bit um, more than in the past. I just you know on the balance sheet side. You know, you've had a, a few quarters now of very strong cash flow. You've had the, the 175 million bilateral facility come in. You've got 240 million of cash coming in from Ravensthorpe in the third quarter. My question is, why is the revolver fully drawn um, at quarter end? Thanks, Hi, Matt. Matthew. Do you want to take that question? Sure. Hi, <clears throat> Matt. Um, look, we, we had a few things um, sort of in the quarter. So uh, we had a Smelter shut in Zambia and inventory build up that we just um, had to fund as well. So that we went through that, and you know, as part of that pro process and just planning, we we had a drawn under that. I think what you would see is now sort of managing. I mean, the next question you will ask is when will we take up bonds? But um, so <laughs> what we what we would look at is now sort of saying. Right, the smelter is now shut us behind us. It's uh, smelter started up um, early this month again. So that inventory is then flowing through and the, on all, all the cash flows f uh, flowing through. Um, so what we would see is cash, POSCO cash coming in. Uh, we were also working on a corporate refinancing that should be done by end of this year. And then I think within the next year, we'll start addressing um, some of those um, bond maturities then. So you would see some movement. I mean, so it's particular to a certain situation in this quarter, but um, thereafter you should see improvement overall and ab absolute debt reduction as well. All right. Well, I, I appreciate that. And, um, you know, believe it or not, I want to ask about refinancing bonds. Um, <laughs> um, you know, you, you sort of read my mind. The, uh, you know, obviously your, your seven and a quarters are, are you know, callable now. The six and a halves are callable now too, and your 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 cost of new debt would be well below that. Um, the six and a halves premium, the call premium steps down on on September first, so you you only have to really wait a few days now for for a thirty day redemption notice to get that lower call price. Um, does the does the sort of high amount of cash on the balance sheet from Revolver Draw kind of coincide with that? You know, twenty threes and twenty fours being kind of prime targets for a refi. Uh, in the in the coming weeks here, um, look, Matt. We, you know, we tend to be opportunistic on, in this regard. So I don't want to speculate on exact timing as, as to when we will do it. Um, I think within the next years will be a good good enough response for now. Okay, great. Well, thanks very much, and, and good luck with the rest of the debt reduction uh, in the coming year. Thank you. The next question is from Greg Barnes with TD Securities. Please go ahead. Yeah, thank you. Tristan, you kind of slipped in that the Zambian operations are no longer 
under discussion to sell down the interest in the business. You're looking at investing in S3. You're looking at um, enterprise. It seems to me you've kind of reassessed your view towards Zambia again. There was a time there where you didn't want to invest. Now it sounds like you do. You're feeling much more comfortable about Zambia going forward. Thanks, Greg. Hi. Yeah, look, um, we've got to get through an election, uh, Greg, and I just want to make the point that we will see noise um, and, you know, these periods are always vocal and so we do expect, you know, some distraction in that. But notwithstanding that, um, you know, we, we, those are great assets that we have at Sentinel uh, and Consanchi uh, between them producing, you know, nearly 500,000 tonnes of copper certainly will be at that level, uh, you know, after investment in S3. So in the longer term, yes, we're absolutely, uh, you know, we're great supporters of Zambia. Um, we think it's a, it's a good uh, destination for investment over the longer term. But, the, you know, certainly we do need to get through some short-term interactions uh, with government. Uh, at the, as I said, at the current time, we can't really do that, given that ministers are in recess. Uh, and so, but we do see that after the election, um, you know, an appetite to engage on that because, you, you know, these investments are good for Zambia. Uh, have you had any further discussions with Zhang Zi about the ownership of this quantum? Now that those discussions about selling an interest are no longer happening, do you have a sense of where they stand or what they want? Yeah, Greg, so that's um, fallen into just a, a regular conversation that we have each quarter, really off the back of, uh, of each quarterly results. And so it's an ongoing engagement and an ordinary course now. Uh, you know, the, uh, I mean, no, I don't have an inside understanding as to, the, you know, their intentions, but what, what we understand is that they're happy with the investment um, and they're happy with the, the delivery against the strategy uh, and, you know, where the share price is at the moment and so on, um, given where they came in. Uh, and, you know, we're in a sort of in, in an ongoing engagement phase with them at the moment. Okay, great. Good. Thank you, Tristan. Thanks, Greg. Thank you. The next question is from Lawson Winder with Bank of America Securities. Please go ahead. Hello. Uh, good morning. Thank you for taking the, uh, my call. Um, Tristan, I wanted to just uh, ask you a little bit more on the um, the whole uh, tailing spill at um, Panama and just some comments that were made by the uh, ministry. So um, one of the comments was that they were looking for maximum sanctions. Maybe it would help if you could just quantify what that could possibly be I mean, in terms of numbers. Yeah, thanks, Lawson. Uh, look, um, we can understand that there's a lot of uh, public uh, uh, visibility on mining at the moment, given you know the, the government's comments around looking to expand mining, we it's our intent to be the, the you know responsible miners and to mine as well as we can and be a good corporate citizen in that regard. It's certainly we hold ourselves to the highest environmental standards. We we continue to improve the capability of the business. This incident was pretty minor, so. You know, the, the incident itself was less than 12 minutes. Our guys responded w within five minutes. The actual volume of material was uh, very insignificant. It doesn't, in, in our estimation, doesn't reach level three. Um, it, it, it was captured by event ponds. There was some escape. It did create some suspended solids, but it's fairly inert material. 
Uh, and so we we would contend that it's you know a fairly minor event and not material, not significant. But you know the minister, you know there is greater public uh, um, visibility on mining, and, and we need to behave as responsible as we can. So we, we will certainly take you know all the pre- preventative actions to ensure that something like this doesn't happen again, uh, and keep, and that's been improving. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Sorry, I believe we have lost connection with the speaker. Um, operator, if we can maybe move on to the next question then. I apologize, it was uh, your speaker, Mr. Pascal, I believe, that has disconnected. Yeah, um, but I think let's let's uh, let's wait for him maybe to dial in again, and then we can maybe move on to the next question. Tristan, are you still on the line? No, he has disconnected. All right, let's see if we've got another question that we in the line. C- certainly. So the next question will be for from Carl Blendon with Goldman Sachs. Please go ahead. Great. Okay, guys, congrats on the strong results again. Um, a couple questions for Hannes. Um, on the debt reduction target, I just want to make sure I, I understand that. You, you talked about $2 billion of debt reduction to get below $6 billion total. So you're currently at 8.5, and, and some of that has to do with the revolver draw. Um, but is it right to assume then that you're looking to reduce debt versus the quarter end by $2.5 billion? And if there's any breakdown of, of bank facilities versus bonds, that would be very helpful. Sure, Carl. Um, look, we, when we talk about the debt reduction, we, we look at the net debt number. So um, you would have seen, I mean, we've made significant progress over the last um, certainly year in terms of that. Um, so we're well on the way in terms of that. And with the, um, you know, we will get some proceeds in from the minority stake sale in, in Ravensorp as well, plus continued Stronger cash flows in the second half of the year, where we've got much more exposure to the um, to the upside and the copper price. So that that will drive it a long way. I think we'll probably go beyond that, but you know I don't want to give you exact numbers here. But um, we've got a certain amount of brownfields projects that that we'll spend some money on, but it's not that significant in, in the cash flow generation. So. What we'll do is, I mean, there will be some reduction in the bonds um, in 
you know, in the next year, we'll, we'll start reducing that. Plus, we'll refinance the bank facility. So the bank facility was at $2.7 billion uh, probably about three years ago or so. So we'll look before end of the year to replace that, probably by a similar amount or slightly smaller. Doesn't you know? Doesn't make much of a difference if it's a bit smaller as well. And of course, we'll use that then to reduce the bond side. The banks have been very supportive um, in in the build and in through tough times as well. So we've got a very supportive banking group there. So it's key for us to. Uh, you know, retain that sort of credit appetite from the banks and that that support. So we'll we'll look at re replacing that again, and then reduce some of the banks, but uh, the bond debt. For, but it, it is important for us in the long run to to have still a significant presence in the bond market. So there will be some reduction, but um, so that will flow through in the next year. Okay, uh, that that makes a lot of sense. And then. Just in terms that we haven't really spoken much about the Delta variant of COVID, and you know you've done really well since the initial mandated slowdowns um, to keep the, the operations running smoothly. When you think about, you know, what that variant could mean in some of the the areas with lower vaccination rates, how, how confident you are are you around the uh, the ongoing operations in uh, in Africa and then in, in Panama? Hi, Let me just check if you've got okay. good stuff. Now, I answered the balance sheet, uh, so I, I saved the, the health questions for you, Tristan. Thanks. Apologies for that. Um, look, thanks for the question. And I was in Zambia uh, the, the week before last, and look, the, certainly the, the Delta variant is, is there. It's in, it's in South Africa and it's in um, you know, Southern Africa more broadly and in Zambia. Um, that the, the third wave that it was causing has come off in the last fortnight. So what we're seeing is, is an ongoing reduction of cases um, and certainly an ongoing reduction in, in deaths, and that includes the testing, that, um, you know, because some of the testing is not capable to, be, to continue to roll out at, at the same high levels. Um, but it, what we are seeing in, in deaths is also is a reduction. So on the sites, I think... What this has, the third wave has done is, is increase understanding, increase, um, it's, it has brought it home to Zambia uh, and we are seeing a greater uh, uptake of vaccination. Uh, the challenges around delivery of, vac of vaccines and we're certainly assisting the government in that regard, although it is only governments that can talk to the primary producers of the vaccines uh, and we do see increased um uh, shipments of vaccine to the country and more broadly in southern Africa, which is good news. Uh, and so we do see that, you know, it, it will be a, a slow uh, progress, but increasing in terms of vaccination. And and but the numbers have come off in the interim uh, in the last few weeks, which is a good sign. I hope that covers the question. Yeah, I think it does. And maybe I'll um, kind of extend that to, to Panama as well. Um, it, it sounds like things are or broadly under control, but any, any colour there would be very helpful. Yeah, as I said on the uh, in my comments, um, the vaccination's gone extremely well. So, um, you know, the, the number of people that have decided not to take the vaccine so far is only 3.3%. And really that's, you know, down to uh, our employees, being, you know, very progressive and, and engaged, you know, part of the solution. And, you know, the uptake's been very strong. 
the the protocol in Panama is that uh, over 30s are eligible for uh, AstraZeneca, and so you know nearly 4,000 of those doses have already been uh, delivered to employees, and we're supporting a broader uh, vaccination rollout in both Cologne and Cochlear provinces uh, with funding of around one and a half million uh, for drive-through vaccination centres that have been very successful um, in rolling out the program across the, the regional areas as well as the capital city. Uh, the under-30s in Panama are on the Pfizer protocol and shipments of that, uh, that vaccine are, um, are, are coming into the country this month, uh, have been delivered. And so we do see a pickup in, in the under-30s as well, which is good news. And in, that's against the, the, the backdrop of a reducing third wave um, across the country, uh, which I think is good news. And the plan in Panama, the government's plan, is to, to fully vaccinate by, by October. Thanks very much for the colour on the health and then also on the balance sheet side, Hannes. Uh, thank you. Thank you. The next question is from Abby Agarwal with Deutsche Bank. Please go ahead. Yeah, morning, Tristan Hannes. Thanks a lot for the call. Uh, I have a couple of questions. Uh, the first one is around CapEx. So there's been a shift around in CapEx. So I think capitalized shipping has gone down by around $40 million, yet total CapEx is unchanged. So has that been allocated to uh, the enterprise project? That's my first question. Thanks, Abby. We Look, the reality is given uh, the labour shortages at, at Cobra Panama, it's really been in Panama that we've seen that reduction in um, in, in stripping, uh, capitalised stripping, so it came down about 40 million. Now, strip ratio in Panama is currently sitting at about 0.4. Uh, the plan for the year is 0.66, so we'd like to build that up in the second half of the year. The shortfall's been on, on really uh, maintenance operators, truck operators, to be able to continue to deliver all the capital equipment to do that. Nonetheless, um, and the other challenge, I, I should say, is we've been finding too much copper, which is a nice problem to have, but in the, particularly on the hanging wall in the north, everywhere that we thought was waste has been more mineralised than, than originally expected. So that's a good problem to have, but it does mean that the strip ratio is, is, is not as high as planned. Uh, that will shift as we get into Kalina, and as I said, we've broken ground on the box cut position uh, for the new Kalina pit, and so that is definitely waste. Um, we're able to, to mine that as waste, and it stays waste, which is good news uh, from a waste perspective. So that's why we do see the um, we, we would like to get back to that uh, the overall target strip ratio for the year. But in the meantime, we you know be a challenge to catch up with that, and so that's why the um, the, the total capitalised stripping number has come down for the year. And, and that forty million dollars, so that has, the sustaining capex has increased. Uh, so has that been sustaining capex and other projects? So that forty million has that been allocated to enterprise? No, uh, enterprise is not taking a significant portion of that. Um, it, it will be in some of the overruns at Ravensthorpe uh, and also um, on the other operations. But no, it's not allocated to enterprises. Got it. Uh, and my last question is on COBRE uh, unit cash costs. So I think in the release you mentioned there is still a component of COVID costs uh, incorporated. Could you could you uh, could you tell us uh, what what the, what that component is? Yeah, it was running at around ten million dollars a quarter, if I recall correctly. 
and that relates to the hotel isolation cost. That is that we rent hotels uh, for a period of a week for every employee prior to, to, to coming onto the site. Obviously, the vaccination program, once we get through that and to, to the right level, we'll be able to, to stop that. And then it's also in, in just overtime and uh, labour costs because uh, we're able to have less people on site. We, we are paying um, you know, above standard rates for labour that is on site. Got it. Thank you very much. Thank you. The next question is from Emily Chang with a Goldman Sachs. Please go ahead. Good morning, and thanks for the update today. Uh, my first question is just around the capital allocation strategy. Um, so, so once you have, you know, your two billion dollars of growth debt reduction achieved, you, you mentioned a cautious approach to dividends. But is there perhaps a framework we can use to think about how, you know, first quantum would uh, balance shareholder returns versus growth? For example, should we expect a payout ratio or some kind of percentage of free cash flow being returned, or do you still perhaps have a preference for um, a progressive dividend policy instead? Thanks, Emily. I'll make some comments and then maybe Hannes will jump in. So, look, that's what we intend to come out with, um, and as we said, towards the end of the year or early next year, to, to outline that more clearly. What we, we are outlining for shareholders the intent to move from the nominal dividend, but as we said, it will be a cautious approach and probably linked more to, to cash flow and the business, um, you know, potentially, although previously we've linked it to um, comparable earnings and paid out uh, on that basis. Uh, Hannes, do you have any more comments on that? Yeah, Tristan, I think it's, it's fair enough. And look, I, I wouldn't you know, um, describe it definitely not as a progressive dividend policy. So it will be linked to some sort of earnings or cash flow measure, um, but that will allow the company still to continue with this Brownfields expansion and growth ambitions going forward. Great, I appreciate that. That's helpful. Um, and my second question is just around the Las Cruces underground option there. Can you remind us what the size of the prize here, um, any rough estimates of capital costs and um, anticipated sort of timeline on decisions? Um, and then uh, sort of following on from that, it seems like in terms of sequencing growth, uh, Brownfield is certainly ahead of the Greenfield options you have there. Um, but so would it be fair to say that the decision-making timeline around some of your greenfield opportunities are longer dated than sort of the two to three year plan um, that you've outlined uh, for the brownfield so far? Sure, Emily, thank you. So firstly on CLC, as I said, we'll, we'll, our intent is to come back with a, a 43101 that will give uh, more uh, clarity for the market on the decision. And John Gregory, you might uh, comment on that further um, in, in terms of what that will look like, but in that we would include the capital uh, and, and, and the cost estimates and so on and the production profile. But in the meantime, uh, CLC uh, does continue to operate um, based off reprocessing of uh, initially stockpiles and then tailings. And so really what we, we're doing here, the, the decision around closure and things is definitely being pushed out. And, and what we see is that, you know, the study efforts on, the underground and the opportunities there we continue to work on and as I said expecting to receive full permitting hopefully by the end of this year would be good um, uh, and then more broadly on the Greenfield decisions before John might comment further uh, the Greenfield decisions that's right we, we pushed the decisions out on those towards sort of 23 24 uh, and are not included in 
everything on the brownfield side is included in our capital guidance um, around S uh, 100 million at Cobra Panama, and there is some capital in 2023 around 250 million in our guidance for S3, uh, and then the remainder of S3 comes through in the following year. Uh, those those timings for S3 won't change significantly, uh, but there's no capital and uh, and no decision we expect on things like Takataka and Akira in that period. They would come after that period. John, did you have any more clarity on on CLC and the and the 43101? Yeah, sure, Tristan. Um, at the moment, uh, we're just uh, finalising um, a delineation drilling program, and our intent is to provide an update on the underground um, resource um, in a 43101. Um, we have ongoing works, uh, technical, um, in terms of uh, dewatering, geotechnical, which means it will be a, a period before we can actually um, announce a reserve. Um, but our intent is to get a 43-101 update um, produced by the end of this year. Got it. I appreciate the colour. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from Yanis Masvulas with Morgan Stanley. Please go ahead. Uh, yes, hello. Thanks for taking my questions. Um, two left from my side. The first one, uh, again, on the net debt reduction, that $2 billion target, uh, is, is this enough? Uh, let's say it's $5 billion. Um, could it be the case that you may need to bring leverage further down, even below levels that you feel comfortable with, just before you launch uh, the next major greenfield project over the next few years? Uh, because if we look at some of your peers, uh, they are running net cash balance sheet positions, and I would say that uh, many investors tend to favor that. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on that point. Thank you. Thanks, Janice. Hannes, do you want to take that one? Sure. Um, look, we, we stated the debt reduction at $2 billion. That, uh, you know, that was the target. I think what you will see is if you run the current numbers, you'll see that that level actually, you know, being higher, the re reduction that we'll achieve within the next year. Um, so I think if you look at our Greenfields projects, they they are still, you know, that it's not it's not imminent. Um, so our debt will reduce further from that. Um, I think it's also important to look at so gross debt will reduce, and it will reduce probably by more than that level. And then it's also to look important to look at the sort of leverage ratio and what we stated in the past, sort of less than two times net debt to EBITDA. Now we've, we're already nearly there, but I think what we'll look at there is sort of the longer-term copper price. Um, so if you run longer-term copper price scenarios, not be you know not extend this above those sort of numbers. So and that will be achievable when we get to the next um, decision on on the next Greenfields project. Okay, that's uh, th that's clear. Thanks very much for that. And uh, one more question, if I may. Uh, you made an interesting comment around Cobra Panama and uh, the fact that you're looking to at least partly uh, switch uh, the power mix to renewables. It's interesting because uh, you just uh, commissioned the uh, coal-fired the power plant a couple of years ago. How are you thinking about um, monetizing that asset? Could it be the case that you sell more to the power grid in the country, or are you thinking of some other arrangements? Thanks, Yanis. Look, 
uh, we're very happy with the coal-fired power station in terms of the way it's running uh, and the cost of generation. Um, what we do see, though, however, is you know the, the coal-fired power station um, is responsible for perhaps 40% of the CO2 emissions uh, within first quantum, and so it's, it's right that we look closely at it. It wasn't right that we look at that during construction and commissioning. You know, what was important that we, we got the power source up and we inherited that coal-fired power station. It was in it was a Meccano set sitting on the ground and it was the right thing to do to install and, and get the mine started. But now it's appropriate that we re-look at that. And what we're saying is that particularly, you know, initially for the, the growth of Cobra Panama to 100 million, uh, we're looking at, you know, other sources of power, including renewable, uh, and then... We, we do continue to look at the power station itself and what options might be uh, available there. I think it's broadly important for Panama uh, that they have stability in the grid. Um, hydroelectricity in the country goes up and down very significantly across the year um, because there's no storage. It's all run of river hydro uh, in the west of the country. And so they, they are reliant on thermal energy, but at this time, particularly from diesel generators in the country. Uh, and so, you know, that's an important consideration. But all of these things will weigh up in our deliberations. Uh, and as we've said, we'll come back to and explain those later in the year in terms of our strategy around the power station um, and, and come back and report more as we have more information for you. That's uh, very clear. Thank you very much. Thank you. Once again, please press star 1 at this time if you have a question. The next question is from Jatinder Goel with BNP Paribas. Please go ahead. Uh, thank you. Uh, good morning and good afternoon. Just a couple of questions. Uh, first one on carbon price integration. Uh, is there any timeline by when you'll be able to conclude, and would that then apply to all the projects that are unapproved in your portfolio, including S3 expansion and so on? Uh, and second, just a quick one, uh, is there any cash tax guidance you can offer for this year, please? Thank you. Thanks, Jatinda. Um, uh, the first question first. Um, so carbon pricing, yes, we will come back by the end of the year in terms of, of, of how we will approach that within the group. What we do see, you know, initially we're looking at new projects, so in particular things like Takataka and Akira, but we are evaluating it against the, the other projects in the business, which include S3, and we'll just give more colour on that as we go forward. What we do have is a number of uh, initiatives within the business to save on CO2, and to, really that's around continuing to push our productivity and to reduce our emissions intensity against every unit of copper production, and, and that's important. Sentinel already sits very low down on the curve, um, but it's the higher intensity operations of which really Cobra Panama is, is the highest that, that's most appoint, uh, important in addressing that, uh, that moves the needle the most for us. Uh, Constantia is, is in the middle, but it's really not on um, uh, you know, carbon pricing. It's much more around the processing stream, which is in particular the carbonates that come through on the leaching side. Um, but as we go forward, we'll be uh, continuing to reduce the proportion of of oxide leaching in, in the process plant, and so it does fall away itself. Uh, so that's just a bit of colour there. Your second question, Jatinda, sorry, could you repeat that one? Uh, it's on the taxes, Tristan, but Julia, do you have a number um, on the cash taxes? I don't think we've changed it much since earlier the year. Thanks, Hamas. 
Juliet, you're still on the line. I apologise. She has been disconnected. Um, Jatinda, I don't think it's changed much from earlier the year when we gave guidance. Um, uh, what what you would I mean I would expect some of that to to as as we you can appreciate in Panama we spent call it better part of seven billion dollars building the mine so it will take a while before we start paying cash taxes or significant cash taxes in in Panama but in Zambia with the higher prices and the non deductibility of the royalty what what you would see is that sort of effective tax rate increase because there's a ten percent royalty now but that's not a deductible for tax purposes. So in Zambia, you'll see a slightly higher increase in the overall tax, um, effective tax rate. Um. That's very clear. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from John Tomatos with John Tomatos Very Independent Research. Please go ahead. Thank you very much. Uh, should we be worried from the minor tailings discharge or the slippage in the strip ratio or the labor shortages at Cobre, Panama, that operations need more attention and maybe the, it's premature to be focusing and thinking ahead to the four brownfield and two greenfield capital projects? Thanks, John. Uh, no, I don't think um, I don't think that's the case. I think that the the management on site is doing an excellent job under the pressures of of COVID nineteen and and all of the uh, you know the challenge of continuing the ramp up. What we have seen is you, you know it measures against um, production in the mine are, uh, have been progressing extremely well. That is in terms of you know the capabilities of the capital equipment to deliver the truck. So, for example, we look at um, full and empty ratios, we look at the KPIs compared to benchmarks on our other operating mines, in particular Sentinel, as to how it's performing against those benchmarks. And in some areas, Cobra Panama is exceeding. In other areas, we have continued work to do, for example, on tyre uh, tire maintenance and road conditions. But in other areas, we're, we've, you know, we're already doing better than other mines. And we compare ourselves to the other benchmarks in the region, including the dry mines down in, in in Peru and, and down in, in Chile, uh, and our suppliers are there regular, uh, regularly, and, and we compare ourselves to those. In the process plants, you know, uh, recovery is, is performing extremely well. Uh, we now have the gold plants uh, performing much better after you know investment in maintenance on that side. Uh, you know, the, the process through tailings is working extremely well, and we're well on track in terms of the phase two lift around the tailings dam, which is all to get that ready. Uh, um, and cope with the current inundation rate, but also to have it ready uh, for the 100 million tonne inundation rate. We have regular uh, external audit from independent orders to come through and check you know, how operations are performing and whether they're at the required standard, and we're very happy with the outcome of that. In terms of safety management on the site, um, you know, there's continued improvement from where we were 18 months and 24 months ago, so we see uh, the... The leading indicators continue to improve, uh, and you know the safety adherence and so on from the workforce from the Panamanians being exceptionally good for a new workforce uh, where the country has you know no history of mining but has developed very quickly and shown a, a great deal of capability. 
the incident on the pipeline is, is an aberration and re- regretted, but it's very small and minor. Uh, it does need focus, and we're confident that it's getting the focus that it, that it requires. Um, this is, you know, we, we were seeing three or four of these events last year, uh, and, and so certainly the frequency uh, has improved. It, it boiled down to a failure on a weld. Uh, so that weld, we, you know, difficult to uh, analyse. Uh, it does require a, a, a higher technical capability of MDT testing in order to examine that weld uh, to make sure that it has uh, that everything else in the line uh, has been performing exceptionally well after the improvements last year of the, the earlier uh, problems we had. Uh, and so this is a, is a one-off related to a failure on a weld. Um, and But again, we will put in place the corrective action because you know, it needs to be done. So I hope, John, that gives you an idea that you know, the, the application of management, the application of uh, the operational excellence at the site is already uh, reaching the standards of our older operations, although we continue to, to lift the standards of those to global benchmarks, and we're very happy with the progress in that regard. Thank you, Tristan. If I could uh, ask you one more. Um, I'm thinking of a history in 1986 when Magma Copper hedged at 70 cents, which was at or below their break-even. Or 0406 when Phelps Dodge lost a couple billion dollars because of zero-cost callers as the price rebounded. And I'm a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but I'm wondering if you're almost trying to trigger a hostile takeover with your hedge practice or your failure to renounce hedging. And I just want to call your attention to companies that had similar hedge problems in the past uh, disappeared quickly. Hi, Hannes, did you want to take that call on the hedge book? I think yeah, we made it fairly clear. Yeah, we made it clear. We, we haven't added hedges this quarter, so we've, we've stopped early this quarter. If you look at the history in the last three, four quarters, it has reduced by 10% in each quarter, so that program was in place whilst we were spending quite a bit of capital at Cabaret Panama and highly leveraged. As, we, as Panama has ramped up, that hedge program has rolled off, and there's much less hedge now. So it's less than 25% of the next 12 months uh, sales are hedged, and um, you would see from, from I think, August, we'll participate significantly more on the copper price. Thank you. I'm a shareholder Thank and you. wish Thank you the you. best. Thank you. Thank you. This will conclude the question and answer session. I would now like to turn the meeting back over to Ryan McWilliam. Thank you very much to everyone for joining today's call. Enjoy the rest of your day, and we look forward to speaking to you again with our Q3 results. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.